Welcome to Cardboard in the Classroom. We're a podcast about using board games in the classroom to bridge a student's understanding and engagement with the purpose to richen their learning experience. This episode of Cardboard in the Classroom is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is episode one of season two of Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And we have a special guest host today. I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, folks. I'm Joe Salen. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss how to start a board game club in your school. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back to Cardboard in the Classroom. Season two, episode one. Yay! Brand new school year. We made, yeah, new school year. And uh, this year, um, we're going to start it off with uh, something that I have been wanting to have happen for a long time. We have a guest host um, from uh, Good, the Board, and the Ugly and the Longview. We have Joe Salen. Say hi, Joe. I'm right here. Hi, folks. So the topic, uh, Ryan, do you want to, do you want to, pitch out the topic here and get us rolling sure so brand new school year um we got our where we're thinking about we got our games club uh, at bethlehem uh, high school here up, up and running so i thought hey what, what would be a better opening topic for season two is if we just talked about um how like how does one go about starting up a games club at a school it it, it just doesn't happen overnight you can't just say hey <laughs> no. folks we're gonna have a games club come on have some fun and then bang, <laughs> everybody starts pushing the door open. Yeah. So, <laughs> Joe, um, you've uh, tell us uh, like what grades you teach, where you're teaching at, and um, uh, how long you have had your uh, games club going. Sure. Um, well, I I teach in uh, Boone High School in in Iowa, um, and I've got a student population in our high schools of, of about 700 kids, about like about 150 to 200 a class. And um, I primarily teach freshmen. Uh, the subject I teach is Spanish, uh, somewhat immersive environment in my in my classroom, uh, which kind of prevents me from being able to really run with uh, more complex uh, game systems. Uh, but definitely there is uh, a lot of guidelines I use of, of uh, board games, you know, just trying like game design and trying to promote engagement. Uh, that I've been able to carry over to some of the more simple structured like trivia style games that that uh, tend to be like when I, the main thing that I use in my classroom. I've got a few products uh, that I've that I've been able to use like this. There was this game called Verba, um, but it, it was like Cards Against Humanity, but specifically made for like a Spanish learning classroom. Um, I, I found that for the most part, the the amount of investment I'd have to make. Uh, to get like, you know, a classroom set where I had enough for like several groups to be playing was was like more than I could get a hold of at, at any time when I when I was purchasing them. I just tried, you know, like tried a couple of different things. Um, but my the reason I'm, I'm explaining so much of this is that like I, I have painfully few things 
that are at the level that you guys um, in, in your season one of uh, Cardboard in the Classroom, which I, I listen to every uh, episode eagerly, uh, the level that you guys are able to integrate uh, tabletop games into your experiences has just been really fascinating. Um, and it's inspired me to to be more ex uh, I, I don't know be more exploratory in what I use gaming wise in the classroom. But um, it's you know, like like the way that you've interwoven uh, your subjects with tabletop is really impressive. So just I, I just want to set the bar really low. Um, this season two is starting at rock bottom. It's only going to go up from here because uh, my cardboard in the classroom is largely building and and uh, cultivating a game group. Um, so uh, I, I guess I could talk about that. Um, I started now. This is my sixth year that I've been at the at the high school um, where I'm at. And when I first came, there was a game group that uh, was active and very much focused on like a single meet for uh, like one meeting a week. And it would focus board games, video games, um, primarily those two, um, lots of party games, but also simultaneous video games. And uh, the the current uh, advisor at that time was really interested in, this was about the time that fifth edition D&D was coming out. And so he was very interested in being a, a dungeon master for the first time. And so uh, fast forward two years, and he is taking a bit of a backseat with Gamers Club, and he'd rather focus on like being just a dungeon master and let me sort of take over the uh, the more organizer role and advisor advisor role. Um, and basically, what that involved was inheriting the video game slash board game night um, and trying to promote that and trying to get um, students of of the the four different grade levels, uh, primarily being a freshman teacher. I found that uh, I had a lot of ninth graders that were always very excited to come to the, the first meeting and many upperclassmen would also come to that first meeting. But uh, slowly there's been a bit of a trickle down of the upperclassmen as the freshmen are who really like I, I kind of stay current with, you know, I don't know what's going on in their lives. And and um, so, you know, I'll, I'll get more into like a lot of the the, the nuts and bolts and, and the challenges that I face and some of the the approaches um, that I know could be used in sort of cultivating a, a gamers group at, at a, you know, for a high school. Um, I'll try to make it also something where if you're starting a game group for the first time, these should also work, um, you know, just overall, like, like how do you create a positive environment, um, you know, for people like at a, in, a, in sort of a public, especially when you're wanting, wanting to be accessible to, to new people. Um, but basically, that that's a, a rambling explanation that I'm, yeah. I'm in my sixth year at the high school. It's like about my third, second or third year here being sort of the, the advisor for gamers club. I run board games and video games simultaneously. Um, so, wow. you know, yeah, it, it's, it can be a bit chaotic and it's something where the video games require more, more, um, <laughs> more planning because you got to work out like, you know, the, the screen you're going to play on the, you got to get a hold of a console and controllers and, um, I, I find that maybe it's because I spend like my entire waking life when I'm not, you know, doing something else, my brains just goes straight to my brain goes straight to board games. So maybe it's that board games are natural. Um, but, uh, video games and board games gets lots of people there. And yeah, the game group is, is, is going good. And in like third or fourth meeting that we just had, uh, this last Thursday. Well, cool. So, awesome. um, from what I'm hearing, it's, you stepped into an already established program. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, have now, you know, taken the reins on that. 
Um, I'm going to bounce this to Ryan because I know for a fact that you started from scratch. So yep. why don't you give us like a, just a quick context and then I'll send us into like our first you know, question to talk about. So Ryan, give us the uh, at Bethlehem, which was where I teach as well. Uh, I used to be right across the hallway from you. And from I've seen from my perspective on how you started, but I want to, I want to ask you on, you know, first account, what, you know, starting it up, what did you expect and what were your uh, first year objectives and what, you know, what was the, 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 the group of kids like? So, okay. So yeah, a lot, lot, lots going on there. So when I just uh, thought, you know what, I'm going to spitball this, they kept approaching me to say, Hey, you need to be kind of involved in some sort of, you know, extracurricular, um activity which i have my opinions about that they shouldn't be you shouldn't be forced into an extracurricular activity so i'm like you know what i have a real strong passion for board games i wonder if there's any other kids out there that also like to you know experience games and stuff like that so i thought oh you know what i'm gonna start up a board game club i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna try this i'm gonna bring a few games from my house from my own personal collection i'm gonna send them at the back of my classroom i'm gonna advertise hey you know what uh if you're enjoying you know games and of, of some sort i can't even remember it was a really really crappy little one-liner little yeah. one-liner in the student notices and then yeah. and I, I had like no expectations I'm like if i if i if i get one kid to show up you know what that that, that little advertisement did, did and and exceeded my expectations because two kids showed up on that very very <laughs> first meeting Woohoo! Double which, down, which which was amazing. I'm like, you can oh play man, lose banana with them or Three Kingdoms Redux, <laughs> Churchill, right out of the gates. <laughs> Never played a game before. We're sitting down for Churchill. Mm-hmm. And well, I I, I actually remember the the very first game we played was uh, Barony. Have you have you guys had any experience with Barony? I have. No. So uh, largely abstract with like big chunky wooden pieces. They big chunky wooden pieces, and the what, what kind of the two kids that showed up um, had a really like strong like um, chess background, and they they thought they were coming to chess club. Really, when they said games <laughs> club, they thought they were coming to chess club. And I was like, well, I don't actually that day one. I, I actually don't have a chess board here, but um, hey, I got this game back here. It's and I, I, I pitch it as chess like, which actually it kind of is, and. Uh, that, that yeah, and I remember we sat down, we learned learned the rules. It was my very first time actually ever playing it, and uh, so I kind of taught them the rules, and we kind of sat down there. And we, an hour and a half later, um, they said, "This was pretty cool. This was pretty good." And by well, the end of the year, um, how did the the group advance or or grow? Yeah, so then one 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 uh, one particular student was a little bit was a little bit more um, had a, had a bigger socials had a big social circle. And kind of, she kind of pitched it around um, her friends. And then, like the next meeting, had we had we had three kids come up, <laughs> group by one, which was which was a great. Growing, that's a fifty percent increase in attendance. Oh and, man! And, and, and I, I love it. I said, "Hey!" And I said, "Hey, hey, we could actually play a four-player game now." <laughs> yeah, we hit and the you cut it off at that. Cut it off at exactly four people because that's the perfect number for a board game club. <laughs> the end. So then, um, the the students that participated in what was your sense of uh, of their uh, you know perception and feel of, of what you what you're trying to start? Well, at, at first they're like, okay, when we 
when we were hearing game club, like in the little notices and everything, they, they fully expected that we were just going to play monopoly risk, um, crib or like, like deck of card games. Please say crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then they, they saw this little small collection of, of just games that I had in the back of my class that I brought in the back of my classroom. They're like, what, what are what are what are these 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 mm. things are weird and interesting and hey they have like cool things like this one's got trains on it and this one's got samurais and this one's got like like weird monsters taking over tokyo like this thing actually seems like these things that seem really really neat and interesting so then as i started explaining a little bit more about these they're like well this is just cool let's let's let's, let's play let's play this one let's play it and then i think the very next game i taught them was like king of tokyo Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Have you guys ever played Yahtzee before?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, we always play Yahtzee, like at my grandparents' house and everything." Well, this is not your grandparents' Yahtzee. <laughs> and That's so, a good pitch. and so then, then they just started talking to their friends. They're like, "Well, Games Club is not just Risk and Monopoly, guys. There's like, there's actually like, cool. There's actually cool things that are associated with games now." And then they they are also pitching around the world, cool, um, pretty pretty loosely that. Games Club was the the cool place to hang out, but mm-hmm. but by the end of that year we had uh we had, we had we had I think I had about six kids that were coming on a re- on a regular basis and then actually were not even just on an after school but they would also just just hang out in my classroom like all the time, um lunch any any lunch period they would just come in grab like sushi go or a quick little card game or they play Suro or they play for sale or something like or something like that something that they can get over at lunch hour they they would just create a games club now it is just as all the time you just come to Mr. Rao's classroom and it's always games club everybody's mm-hmm. welcome we'll teach you new games even if you have not played this before we'll grab we'll grab something and so i've loved to watch that that culture grow and this has been now this is the fourth year that we're that we're offering and that i started from scratch 4 years ago two kids came to the very first one and then Norm, you were here at the very first oh, one of the year. I was impressed. Have, and the very first meeting of the year this year, we had eighteen. We had eighteen students that showed up. Mm-hmm. All, um, I think about twelve of them were veterans. I call them veterans. They're in grade twelve now. And then mm-hmm. um, six students that came from they're 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 in grade nine. And so we have a really good, awesome dynamic. And then there was like students are like, hey, we're going to set up a Settlers of Catan. How many people have played Settlers of Catan before? No one? Oh, we're going to teach you Settlers of Catan. And then there's another group went, oh, we're going to play Star Realms. And then there was a chess game. And then there was, it was, I, there was way more students that I was expecting day one of the, of the, of the new year. I just thought my, my, my regular, my regular Joes were going to show up and we were just going to play a couple games and, it, it, it's been growing a little bit, a little bit. So I guess we need to back up a, like a little bit more about how did I get this thing? Um, well, the, the I'm, I'm going to quickly transition and, um, and uh, bring that topic in, uh, you know, on, on the steps to it. And because Joe, you have the, uh, an ongoing uh, group. If you were to start uh, a group over again, and I mean, we're all teachers, right? We, 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 we plan, we, we ske- mm-hmm. sketch things out. We have our ideas and, and we, we put it in our brain and, and see if this uh, engine, right? See if this step process is going to work. Um, what kind with your experience now, if I was to say, Joe, give me, you know, 
the the three-step process or four-step process of starting a board game club if somebody a new teacher from another school asked you um very quickly in like an elevator meeting kind of thing give me the four things that that i should know to get a a, a game group off the ground it doesn't have to be four things well I <laughs> four. it could be 15 right mm-hmm. well so, i would say uh things if i was going to start from scratch um to try to get a, a board game started i would think first of all you know what what types of uh commitment do i want to take on myself and uh you know I would say when it comes down to it, this type of a thing is, I, I don't know about you, Ryan, it sounds like you kind of were, were sort of um, forced into doing something. And this was, you know, your sort of approach to what you wanted to do. Um, for, for me, it, it, it largely comes uh, from just like wanting to uh, make this something that is more accessible, that is less marked, um, less something that, that when you see somebody playing around with little wooden bits on a board, less something that, you know, people think that, oh, what's that silly thing that you're doing over there? Like, you know, it, I, I wanted to make it something that was okay if you wanted to enjoy video games. Um, you know, I, I think that that can be approached as, as a pastime. And I think largely uh, the, the, you know, a lot of people don't take it seriously. They don't, they, they, will say, you know, mm-hmm. join a sport, do something real. And when it comes down to it, like, like if you want to make gaming something that's, uh, you know, like only done by people who are in your eyes is worthless, then you're making people who want to do this say, well, I'm gaming, whether you think of me as worthless or not, fine. And and I, I, want, I wanted to, I guess, to, to take down that stigma. And um, so primarily, like, the, the way that I feel like going about that is, is just to, <laughs> I guess, like, what was the question? Again? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you know, like the, the first, you started by saying. I understand um, how to start. I'm saying I, I, I'm answering a different question and I realize it, but. but um, no, I, I, I also get it too, because um, like I, I had no level of commitment of being able to go and coach a sport or anything like that was starting up a young family and, and all that stuff. So I, I needed something a little bit more, of a low commitment and it actually now it's turned into a bigger commitment now that my the group is is more but it was it was almost a, a, a stick it to like not everything in the school needs to be run by a sport we we don't need sports to rule the school even though that's um there's lots of people in our in in, in our building that will that will that will argue me tooth and nail because they look at me they come out Wednesday after school, they see games club happening and they're like, well, how is that guy getting extra curt hours? Then he's not, he's not putting in any work. He's not putting in effort. And I was, I was like, no, they're, it's no like it's not, like, they look at it as like, it's not you. a real thing to do. It's, it's really like, I would say like, I'm not trying to in, in any way diminish the positive impact that being involved in an activity such as sports can have on a young person's mm-hmm. life. But you know, when it comes down to it, the behavioral and attendance issues so frequently, um, it, it, it especially like speaks to me when I see a graph and it shows that all these kids, we try to say like, okay, which of their activities can we, you know, like which of their coaches can we talk to um, to try to get this kid motivated? And those kids that were on the attendance list were all listed as none. You know, what's your activity? None, 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 none. And so many of those kids are kids I know go home mm-hmm. and play lots of Fortnite. And it's like if, if they could get 
somebody who shows them like there's more to life than screaming at, at, at eight year olds, you know, playing online, playing Fortnite, And that like gaming is something that can be engaged in as a social activity that, that improves your social intelligence while at the same time uh, doing more for your mental, mental capabilities. You know, it's, it's got these benefits just the same way that sports have benefits uh, for your mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. Gaming has benefits to your brain. And you know, that's sort of like, like the, in the way that that DS like brain games, whatever, you know, when yeah. people, you know, so to me, like the, the fact that people look at it as being like a, why would you ever do that sort of thing for fun? Always like, I, I want to take that stigma away. And so I guess the reason I brought this up here when you asked me, how did it start is because I feel like, um, you know, we've got right now on our football team, which I, I enjoy the sport of football. We were talking about this, you know, the, the uh, the children's football league that you guys have up there the uh, <laughs> we we have our own kids you know kids football Rogers. league high school kids down here um, and I, I'm pretty sure that you're that we could you know my high school kids might be able to take on a pro or two at your league but uh, <laughs> no I'm just kidding you probably we'll stay off the ice we'll stay off the ice hey, you might I, us there. I, I want to piggyback this on. podcast is not sponsored by the CFL yeah I know <laughs> but it you should know, be I want, I want to piggyback um, on uh, what you're talking about uh, from like the 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 physical side like the athletes to the the non-athletes and i had a teacher um and it was a it was a good professional discussion and and the teacher said what is it with these games that that uh, are so engaging and the reason first of all that that was a good discussion i used to coach football um i used to play semi-professional lacrosse so i've got a really good sports background and and I also have a very deep geek background, as you can see with the Battlestar Galactica stuff behind me and the Spider-Man. Um, explain to this this colleague that um, I said, well, even when when you do like sports, it's a physical activity, and you're and you're you're strengthening your body. This is a cognitive activity, and mm -hmm. I'm exercising my mind. I'm making sure that my mind is is synaptically running at the highest efficiency I can get it. And, and I'm, you know, when we're, when we're doing a Euro game, um, I'm, I'm like, I hear off people often playing a, um, you know, a splatter game. They're just, they're just fingers drilled into the head and people are, are you having fun? I'm having a blast. Leave me alone. I'm trying to like do my taxes. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I explained it to them that it's a cognitive exercise rather than I'm playing games, right. Um, they, started to accept the legitimacy of it and and then you know you get that kind of hmm you know the moment that i can stop them and have them introspectively rethink their perspective of 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 what we're doing i've kind of won and, right i mean yeah. it's like and not, not just cognitive um social socially too socially like like those, mm -hmm. those are some of the earlier like i know like i said my very first game that i taught was like barony or but once the great group started growing just a little bit by little bit by word of mouth and some promotion on my part um a lot of the big games we played were social were social um-esque games like um i remember we had a we had a six-player game of cosmic encounter one time and it was the they said it was the greatest like hour and a half of gaming they ever had in their life because there was so much that back and forth and they like this this one this one boy that uh norm you would know him um now that he when he started the group in grade nine now he's in grade 12 and the amount of social skills that he has learned from developed developed from because he was like if i if i got him to say two words in a whole year that was mm -hmm. like amazing and now he is leading groups of students 
Um, so just yeah. being able to put the them confidence. into those social, those yeah. social situations. Um, and like, even like students, like you saw students are learning how to, um, talk, um, to others with respect and, and mm -hmm. not, not, not just throw down that they're, they're not just throwing like F bombs, this and slang terms that, and all those, all those types of, uh, those, those connotations, like some, some of these kids, um, that coming to games club bring they're, they're, they're learning how to, um, they're learning how to like win, win properly. They're learning how to lose, lose with properly, dignity. With, yeah. lose with dignity. It's, it, it, it's, it's been a little bit now that I get that that's four years that I've been coaching them through this mm -hmm. year. One was like, Oh my gosh, what are the, what am I, what am I doing with some of these guys? But you know, I like how you use the term coaching because that you're, you're, you're navigating them through a social situation that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you you literally you have to like like for some of these you had to actually come out and say like you know what that that was very disrespectful to say. Do you know why that's disrespectful? Mm -hmm. Like you 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 cannot talk to a girl that way. Like if a girl comes to games club, you cannot talk to her that way. That is very yeah. demeaning. That is absolutely bullcrap wrong. Like yeah, they they are they are people. They're pe everybody here. We're all people. We're all part of the human race. Like. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Um, uh, shut up and sit down. I think Quinns is the uh, is the reviewer, and he accounted a interview with a BBC um, reporter. And the reporter asked him because he used to do review video games. And the reporter asked him, "So what's what's so interesting about board games?" And his response was, "Board games are so interesting because people are interesting." Yes, and you're forced to be in a face-to-face -face environment rather than, you know, um, left and right staring straight ahead at a screen. So I thought well, that you, was brilliant. Mark, you, have, you have sold me. I want in this hobby. <laughs> well, so, um, I, I think this all started from how do you start a game group? And I still feel like the audience has been <laughs> promised this question and I've been like, I've been doing such a terrible job answering it, but that's what you should expect from me. So, well, you um, know what? We answered it because you started by saying, I, as a teacher, have to make sure that I'm prepared to put the time into it. And I think we did a good job on identifying what's important to us as teachers is right back to the student. It's always about mm -hmm. the student and what can we do to facilitate what they need, even though they don't know what they need. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that right now, gamers have a marked quality of being antisocial individuals, of, of being, you know, difficult to approach, of, of essentially inhabiting the troll dens that are our game stores. And I think, yeah, because you made them that way. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's the way that those people are because you rejected them because you didn't accept that their activity they wanted to do was another, like, you know, pursuit that you could actually do and enjoy. Like, it's one of those that gets very, very harshly judged. You know, like, like if you're a crafting person and you make small you know trinkets and stuff like that's that's going to be a less marked endeavor than if you're a miniatures painter because you know you, you, the, people look at it and they think oh there's grown men playing with toys and you know it to me you approach it from that and that's your why that's your reason like why does my school need a gamers group because that's not what gamers are gamers mm -hmm. are not mm -hmm. trolls Gamers are just people who have been rejected historically, and I want to I, I want to set about to change that to make it more acceptable because it's you know the sort of social skills that we're going to be teaching uh, to these individuals is something that's going to benefit them inside and outside of any game in their life, and so uh, 
it's there's certain struggles to starting a game group. And the one that I was referring to that led me down that rabbit hole, and, and I'm sorry, I, I, I slung you guys with me, uh, no but way. is that there's all types of resources out there um, for boosters. And our, right now, our uh, our football team has like, I want to say 12 volunteer coaches, or maybe it's 12 coaches all in all, six of which are like volunteers. And so in starting a game group, it's a very much like a sort of non-committal activity, like just like starting a public game night at, at, at a local game store. You know, this is an activity that people engage in for leisure. And for some reason, like sports are, you know, like it's a leisure activity that's more widely accepted. So, you know, people are more willing to, to do things for sports. They're not as much willing to help out with the gamers club. I also think that a lot of people are gamers, but don't want everyone to know that they're gamers. And I even think that many of the teachers that, I, that I've approached about trying to help are not comfortable with really helping with, with this activity because it still has this sort of a stigma to it. So um, understand that the people that, 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 you're, that are going to be helping you, that you're gonna need help from, may not offer you their services because they may not feel that you're, you're, what you're doing is, is pushing in the right direction. And I think that uh, finding your ways over sort of hurdles, like, like that's been one that's kind of frustrated me. Um, and I, 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 we can talk more about like what's, you know, what's sort of like the nuts and bolts about how to be successful at going about it. But um, for, for me, it was, you know, what are, what are the types of things that I like doing? What are the types of things that, uh, you know, other adults that were already helping and that were wanting to continue to help? You know, like we have a guy who focuses on collectible card games. We have uh, the oh, previous cool. advisor who still helps out heavily um, in doing the promotion because he's like the journalism teacher. And so he automatically has already got this hookup to like get us on the big screen in the in the uh, common area uh, and, and put up, you know, like like uh, things to advertise when we're having meetings. Um, but he really loves uh, DMing now. And I, I was I met him before he DMed at all. And now he's DMed like probably 15 different separate campaigns. And he's tried to develop his his, you know, craft to the point, or I'd say hone his craft to the point where it's working perfectly for what he needs it to be. And that is, um, you know, one of the things that he's always run into is campaign style games are very difficult. Uh, just like it's difficult to teach students that are, you know, like that have poor attendance. Well, you know, <laughs> unless you get a kid who's really passionate about coming to this, like usually a gamers club, if, if a kid, if there are kids that have other activities, they're going to go to other activities before gamers club, because what we're doing is not, you know, like the sort of special, we need you to put together the set for the play type things like, you know, and we need you here for practice. Like yeah. it's more like we're just engaging, engaging in the activity. So uh, understand that, that your kids might not necessarily be as committed to gamers club as they are to other activities, but you could maybe make it more structured and make it more, um, mm -hmm. some sort of activity where you can make it like where there's actual rules to, you know, maybe even compete against, uh, yourselves or against other schools. I don't know. Maybe that would get people more motivated to, to be more consistent. Um, but what he did to uh, to change what he was offering is started the D&D &D Adventures League, which is a way of sort of balancing out characters that are not necessarily the same level. So, like, you could still have a level seven mage and a level one, you know, halfling barbarian, because that's what every single one of the high school students wants to play. I don't know why, but they all want to be halflings. <laughs> and they all find barbarians... You know, like a halfling barbarian is just hilarious. And yes, it's, it's, there's, there's something there. Um, but, but it's been done guys. You can move on. Anyway. Um, the, the thing is like, he's made this adventures league so that kids can sort of participate in some sessions, not all of them. Um, and, and so he's offering specifically that, you know, catering to D and D 
uh, and and then I offer you know the separate thing with the board games and and at the school and um, mine is more open I would say, but his is mm. his got much 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 more open because he made that change from last year to this year of being Adventures League. So very cool, um, just something that he did. I, I really don't, I mean, aside from like, how do you get started? I would say just talk to your kids. You know, if you have like a connection to kids in your classroom, a lot of kids are going to show up primarily because you've developed a relationship. If you're an effective mm-hmm. educator, you've got relationships developed. You're going to already have kids where you're just like, hey, I want you for Gamers Club. Cool. You know, do your Uncle Sam, point at them. I want you for Gamers Club. And kids are like, oh my gosh, somebody actually wants me to do something. Well, like, this is awesome. We don't have an Uncle Sam up here, but I'm pretty sure we've got a Mountie hanging on to a, a bottle of maple syrup saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. not, it's not a, not a can of Canada Dry. No, no. Okay, so oh, I'm going to sum up that first that first topic that we talked about is, is the most important thing is how to start like how to start a board game club is because you want to start one as a teacher i'm going to bounce straight to number two and it's going to be like flash questions um i want you guys to not as fast as you can but um give me um not in any order but rules like we talk about structure and let's let's if someone was to start writing rules board game club rules on the board um what's i mean i'll start it off Win and lose with dignity. Rule number one, board game club. Joe, rule number two. Oh boy, uh, I, I think that's a great rule number one. Um, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think my, say- my my version would have been something like like treat others like you would like to be treated, like like or like mm-hmm. treat everybody with respect. You know, things, everything everything along that. I like the yeah. I think that my main like approach to rules is that like you know when when an issue comes up, it's always like uh you know how you, how you address it is more than uh putting putting out the rules in advance. So I, I'm not great at like coming up with these types of rules, but I would say that uh you know like this this group is for everybody, and I mean that that everybody is welcome. Maybe the what I've noticed because uh, um, we kind of have rules posted on the board, and it's. It's uh, comforting for some of the students to know that they can look up and go, "That's it, how I'm supposed some sort to design of my social that's been behavior." Set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this this is what is expected to, of me when I come in this environment, and it's sort of like a social contract. There's there's the details of my social contract on the board. Um, Ryan, I'm gonna say number rule number two or a second rule that I know that makes your eye twitch sometimes. Pick up the game when you're done and put it away. Just just properly. clean it up. Just respect the space that was provided to you and just clean up the mess. Put everything back in their little bag. If there was baggies, put them back in the baggies. If there was compartments for in the box, put them back into the compartment. Put the lid on the box. Put the box back on the shelf. Like just respect the environment that was provided to you. Because if you're just gonna leave it as a pigsty and a mess and everything like that, uh I'm I, I I can easily just take the space away, that that mm-hmm. then then well, then yeah, I'm Joe has that because has this your... is this is this is has always been a sore spot of mine right from <laughs> year year number one, mainly because the kids will come in at lunchtime and they'll try to get a quick game of something that is not doable within like the forty five to fifty <laughs> minutes and they'll just leave the game set up, and then mm-hmm. another class is going to come in they're like, first of all it's good promotion if they see this thing set up they're like ooh what is that. <laughs> Well, like, hey, that's part of the gamers club, 
And then they start playing with it. And I'm like, well, you guys don't, don't, don't start playing with the pieces. And they're, oh, they're now they're bending the cards. And then they're I'm like, like they <laughs> bending the cards is a big one. I, I oh. think though that like you, Ryan, this is like a, your game group problem. Cause you're the one who made it not board game group. Yours is like board game lifestyle. You're like, <laughs> come in over lunch. Come in. Like mine is really like gamers club happens at this specific time. I, I would be inspired if kids wanted to do that. Uh, but we don't have, we have a bit more of a rigid structure for where students are to be during their lunch. Mm. Um, I think that something like gamers club during lunch would be fantastic. Uh, but it, we're, we have a ways to go before our school is anywhere near yeah. um, letting My, students mine's kind vote. of evolved too, because the, the, the space that's provided most of the time for the students is not adept is not adequate enough for the amount of students that need to utilize that space. So then certain teachers in like certain hallways will open up their classrooms for students to come in kind of like hang out in a, in a norm you're one of the ones that inspired inspired me with this with your you usually have like your like youtube videos or those movie or movies playing during lunchtime and well and i i um i'm very similar to joe that i have a french immersion classroom where um all the all the content is delivered in the french language and mm-hmm. um is is and that's the concept of immersion is there is no english we it's a hundred percent in french so a lot of the times i'll uh, like brian said i'll have some you know french spoken language content on youtube just to keep tuning their ear or if uh if it's a lot of gamers then i'll put like a watch it played on or i'll put uh, mm-hmm. something connected to um and not forcing them like you have to watch this because i'll just put it on because all of a sudden i call it the dodge caravan effect i'll take take you know <laughs> the kid there'll be something on the screen and all the kids will start talking talking and then <laughs> and then eat their lunch and just watch you know watch rodney teach them how to play whatever <laughs> game right they're just like it's quite the example man it's oh, yeah, learning it's how to like, play I, I don't watch those videos just for fun norm those are those are like useful tools like that's you know entertainment mm. I usually have two time speed and well, it's usually like watching hyper chipmunks <laughs> well the, 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 the very the very first time first years that i ran this i i this, the students would come in and they're like, can we watch tabletop? I'm like, yeah, you can watch tabletop. Of course you can watch tabletop. And everything like mm-hmm. that. And they're like, Mr. Rao, do you own Munchkin? I'm like, yeah, I own Munchkin. Do you want me to bring Munchkin? Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah that sounds really cool. You need to bring that. We'll bring friends. I'm like, okay, cool. Next day we're bringing Munchkin. And yeah. Cool. So yeah. we've got, we've got, kind of rule or philosophy number one is is because the teacher wants to have this happen for the students and sees a, a, a you know a real a benefit for number two um respect the space um mm-hmm. put the games respect away the components just the, the games themselves oh. like bending cards like oh. yeah because yeah, in, in, initially this was <laughs> everything is provided out of my goodness of my heart and my collection because mm-hmm. I was not going to receive a budget because I wasn't recognized as a actual like extra cur activity in the very, very, very beginning. And then you're not, you're not going to get funding for board game club. We're not going to give you money to money to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start off small. I'll, I'll I'll bring it in. Then, then yeah. Then year by year, I've been getting a slowly, a little bit more and a little bit more of the, uh, of some of those budget resources, so that I can purchase, like, hey, no, okay, the guys, this game right here, this one belongs to the game club. This one's ours. This is yours. Nice. Um, well, I'm going to use that as a transition because 
it comes with teachers. I mean, we're asked to do so much with, with so little resources. You're starting yeah. to games. We all know how, you know, how, <laughs> what kind Budgets of a rabbit work. hole you can go get into, you know, purchasing games. Resources. If you're starting up a game club, do you, should you expect to um, be the one that provides the resources or like Ryan said, or do you have to prove to your administration that this is valid, this is reliable, and this is necessary for our student population? Because well, as Joe, like you put it, not everybody's an athlete. Not everybody wants to be in sports. Not everybody's comfortable in that environment. So this counterculture or this subculture has been created. So let's respectfully identify it and provide resources for it. So do you step up yourself as a teacher and go, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I made it happen. What do you think, Joe? Well, uh, I don't think we're at the point yet where you can expect anything uh, as an educator, especially not for, you know, your this, this right here is, is a sort of gravy extra, you know, this is something that's extra. You're having to sort of create a need at the same time. And it's a much like for me, the, the process is just that like you do it cause you want to, and you basically anticipate to take on all the funding. If there's any need for classroom, you know, for, for specific funding that you've either already sunk in that money um, or, you know, don't expect it to come from from your administrator is what what I would say you know from but like you guys might have been able to legitimize it and and after you know but as you started Ryan there wasn't much support and I would say for me uh, I had such a problem buying games that uh, I had this large amount of games and I was able to find an extra place to store some of them, which just so happens to be the cabinet <laughs> school. And no, I, I primarily brought games because because when I play at my house, it's rare that like I'm playing uh, the the types of games that I would play with my high school game group. Like I don't even play the same games at all, really, with them. Uh, it, you know, with them, I've got my games like Can't Stop that are just really fast, and, mm-hmm. and I'm noticing uh, the same thing. Yeah, indestructible components. You know that type of tumbling dice. Um, you know, a lot a lot of those games are ones where, like, if they sat on my shelf here at home, they're games that I enjoy, but I'm just not going to play them with the folks that I have when I'm having a game night over at my house. Um, so maybe those things will change as, as it goes on, and maybe I'll find more of a of a migrating of the games that are at my at the school to to you know home shelves and stuff when I have people that, that are specifically clamoring to play, uh, you know, junk art or other you know like tac- very tactile. Um, types of games but uh, you know for me it was just I had uh, you know I, I just wanted to first start by bringing a creative games to the school and then bringing it back home you know mm-hmm. that was how I did it first just the same way that I'd approach a regular game night um, and so really the resources were were never a, a question that even came up um, Ryan then, then what well I they I came back and said well if I'm not going to get funding I'm going to I'm going to try to get funding on my own. And that's where I, I created the membership card idea norm. And yeah. so the the membership card was that I started, I had friends in that own um, friendly local game stores here in Saskatoon. And I just approached them and I said, Hey, I've got this idea that um, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to have membership cards for my games club. And that, that created a conversation about games club and everything. And I said, I want to sell this membership card for $5. And if they get this membership card, I would like them to come to your store and they should be able to get some sort of discount uh, for 
maybe purchasing games or game materials. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, I got three stores that were automatically 100% on board. Mm. So the kids, so the kids could get, they came and bought this membership card for $5 and they got 10% off at all three of these game stores in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And they, they thought that this was like the most brilliant thing in the history of the world. And the thing that I, I kind of campaigned to and that I sold them to not just kids at, at games club, I approached other teachers. I went to like my, my game nights and I went to like friends and I kind of like just, kind of just did this massive campaign. It's like, Hey, $5 gets you 10% off at dragon's den, amazing stories, King board game cafe. And they're like, well, that's a really good deal. Five bucks gets you me 10% off at all. And then so after that first year I had sold, well, what is it? I think I made, I think I made like $70 mm-hmm. that I was able to then, Hey, I can take that $70 now. And Hey, that's a, that's like three small games. I get yeah. three, three small games. Yeah. And now that, now those belong to the game club. Those Very are things cool. that, 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 that the kids can do. So if somebody wants it and you're not going to get funding right off the bat, some, something approach those, those local game stores. Cause even local game stores, um, I know like dragon's den here in the city, um, they have games that sit on this like forty percent off shelf that mm. they, they they sit there for like years and they're not moving. They're like, well, do you just want do you just want one of those games to take to your school? I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll take a free game. They're they're more than happy to to support like something in inside a school and inside of an education center. So even just approaching approaching people like that, and then I wrote mm-hmm. even wrote letters. To, um, game publishers companies. are also very yes. Oh, yeah. Publishers will support you if they know that you're an educator and they and you you and you're you know, committed to, to them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, now so that's like, a this so is like, a excellent um, Iello Iello sent us like like a, a king a, a copy of King of Tokyo. Um, Days of Wonder sent us a game of, a copy of uh, Ticket to Ride. Um, mm-hmm. and so. This is a and, and the, word, the, word, the worst thing. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll let you go, Norm. Hey, so, no, because <laughs> this is the, you sparked basically uh, the next idea that I that I want to move into is you've you've you're doing it because you want to do it. You've got um, uh, the, you know a structure, a rule set in class. You've got resources. Now the question is, what's the best startup library as far as titles go? Let's Ooh. start. Th- you mentioned oh. Ticket to Ride, King of Tokyo, Joe. What uh, what are uh, what are some what you well, think Joe Joe, that, men, Joe mentioned uh, off the cuff there right? the big, some of those some of those games those games that have like those 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 nice components that are not easily destroyable tumbling dice is is really or good or if there's just so many components that like <laughs> you know if they get worn it's not that big of a deal uh, the biggest success um, that I think might surprise you or maybe you wouldn't have considered it to be this resounding of a success um, is deception murder in Hong Kong yeah, oh, my kid, I, my kid, my students love it. Oh, they, they, it's the so library. easy to teach each other. I mean, they usually have to like, like when they're playing it for the first time of a school year, there's usually a few kids that remember how it goes. And they're like, okay, hold on. You always ran this part of it when, when I played. So I need to, I need help with this. But I'd say that that game, because it plays, you know, in theoretically, when I play it with like gamers, it'll get 15 minutes. And anytime kids are going to play anything, for the most part, in my experience, it goes significantly <laughs> slower. Um so they'll be able to finish a game in like 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. And they just love like the, you know, that one of them is the killer. And the whole talk at the table is very much about just trying to craft the story of what, what they're trying to hear. It, it is such a huge success. I don't think that that one is approached as the really um, 
extremely accessible, playable family game that it is um, enough. I'd like yeah. to add a big surprise uh, to the like to this list. Um, never expected this game to just catch fire, and it's cockroach poker. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's... And because of the French language, I mean, there's it's language independent, right? It's just nice pictures. So I tell the kids, you know what? Bonus points, even at lunchtime. If I see you playing a game that you're capable of playing in the French language, I will give you language activity points. And so cockroach poker, I am so amazed on the simplicity of it, how fast they pick it up and how engaged and entertained they are. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've got, if you, if that's in your library, Joe, but uh, I think that'd be fun for your Spanish class because yeah, just that, just the posing the questions, you know um, and, and I also, have learned to use that in my, you know, in, uh, in my psychology class, when we talk about um, behaviorism, where it's only observing behavior and, and seeing micro expressions of lying and, and, you know, body language changes and vocal tone changes when someone's trying to, to, you know, dupe you kind of thing. So I, in psychology, I'll teach them all these visual cues and then we'll play it from the perspective of not the language, but more from being a, you know, behaviorist looking at and analyzing a person's behavior through this game um that, that's mm -hmm. that's solid in the library in my classroom ryan your turn what's a what's a solid one for oh i have so many ones that that really only pick one we'll take oh. turns <laughs> <laughs> one uh can't stop has been a huge massive success with a whole bunch of because you don't even need to be like a, a gamer like this was it's such a cool little activity that that the kids can get right into it because everybody can roll everybody can roll dice and mm -hmm. then then they're starting i liked it from the approach that they're doing their little bit of math skills they're figuring out some probabilities and everything like that i think i've already talked about can't stop a little bit uh in a in a, in a previous episode but um can't stop has always been a really go a good go-to cool uh, joe add to the list uh i've had just recently you know like settlers of Catan is is one of those mm -hmm. where i always get surprised because there's there's quite a bit of complexity in settlers of Catan. Um, you know, I can remember my first games of Settlers of Catan were like, I can remember like the realization of a lot of the rules and the purpose of a lot of the moves in the game didn't even come to me until like my second game. Um, and that might just tell you how new I was to board gaming when I first learned it. Uh, mm -hmm. It was impressive to me how quickly those things were picked up by students who had never played anything before. So, you know, like that, that to me is one of those that just belongs in, in a library of classic games at a school I know. Uh, a lot of a lot of folks believe it's like a gateway in and then you never play it again. But really, like Settlers of Catan has got some some elements that bring joy to people that have never played tabletop games before. Um, and I don't think there are really other games that do exactly the same thing uh, that Settlers can do. No, I completely agree. Every games club, there's always a group that there's a race to be the first group to grab Settlers Catan <laughs> off the get and you have that set up and then. They, they max out at their four players because if you go six players, they never get it done in an hour and a half. They'll never mm -hmm. get it done in an hour and a half. So there was always mm -hmm. a race to the four people who get placed at Lewis of Catan. It's, mm -hmm. it's, fan, it's always fascinating. And my childish mind um, eavesdrops because you know there's going to be some sheep and wood jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that part of my brain is the same part that kind of giggles when it's like, <laughs> he said poo. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a man child. I get it. I get it. 
Um, I want to throw, uh, I want to throw a title down. Um, again, it works fast at lunch for a lunchtime thing. And it's, uh, works for the both languages for English and French and it's insider. Oh, that's mm. a good one. Yeah. The, uh, that whole kind of, kind of like code, code, code names esque. Yeah. And, and the, uh, um, I mean, I'm not going to go to explain the game because, I, um, people, if they want to, if they're that one person that listens to the podcast, wait, he's on one. the show. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you got but, me. Yeah. Yeah. The audience, the audience is here for you. <laughs> um, uh, oh, you, I, um, I don't know if you, uh, on uh, cardboard conjecture, I gave that one person a name and I called him Juan, the Juan <laughs> listener, the Juan listener. Uh, but uh, Insider, yeah, the kids love it because um, they, I've never seen a pack of, of students like more voracious for finding out what the person's hiding in regards to, mm-hmm. you know, the word. And uh, boy, oh boy, there's been times where I've had to step in and, be, you know, get the hand down. All right, time out. Where are we going? What's going on here? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, I've, I've never had a problem uh, not, uh, you know having the students not want to play a game and insiders another one of those ones that that uh completely engage a whole i mean it's and it's uh it doesn't really matter how many people are are playing mm-hmm. because you could have a whole bunch of people asking questions up until the point where that timer runs out so it's it's one of those step in step out games that i see the kids love mm-hmm I'd say this is an Oink Games, yeah. uh, so really, really small box. I've never played this one myself, uh, but I've had very, very good success with a Fake Artist Goes to New York by yeah. Oink Games. I can see the Oink Games being I mean, Fake Artist Goes to New York. I got that. Uh, I got kids that were excited to play that who were not had no intention of ever even attending Gamers Club because we had this little like twenty minute. Uh, try stuff out in the middle of the school day sort of moment where I was able to use this time for, you know, kids had to be somewhere. And I got these kids that would come back and would teach each other. And Fake Artist Goes <laughs> New York was a huge success. Uh, Oint Games can be very good for a gamers club. And their their price points are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an awesome price. But man, it's such a small box. It's like, it's the size of a wallet. It's like, oh. <laughs> But I know, I know the game and and the way that it works is always going to be solid. It's just, man, you're paying twenty five dollars for what feels like what should be about you know the size of a candy bar. Wait, like, consider ooh. this though: you're paying also for the cognitive engineering of yeah. the game. Of course, that's that's oh, no. really where where it is for any of these products. You know, like like when you get into a project where it's mainly focused on pieces, you end up doing that. So at the expense sometimes <laughs> of the the amount of cognitive uh, development that may have went into making the game, you know, function at that level. So are we, yeah, taking, a cheap I, shot at, are we taking a cheap shot at the game Las Vegas, which is just literally a box of dice. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've played that one uh, a, a little bit, but never tried it with my gamers group. Is that one that you, it, 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 it's been, okay. there, there's nothing more satisfying that at lunchtime, seeing a bunch of kids roll uh, rolling dice around a table and then they're they're down to their their final few dice and all of a sudden you just hear this one roll of dice and all of a sudden you just hear this enormous rupture of cheering <laughs> because they got that one roll that you know won them the game and there's mm-hmm. cheering there's high fives going around and everything Las Vegas has created lots of those types of experiences um quite quite often during gamers club and during lunchtime gaming so 
Yeah, Las mm-hmm. Vegas is a, usually a good one, but you're really you're paying for a you're paying for the rule sets. You could put this thing together with a bunch of dice and then just some cards that have some some sort of monetary value on them. But okay, but it, it, it's a great it's a great, Las Vegas. Let's um let's all throw uh, one more example down and then we can wrap things up. One more because... one more no, I got so many. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Joe, because you're like one of our favorite cardboard cohorts, you have basically carte blanche every time there's, you want There's more cardboard cohorts? Did we, did we... Hold on. Did you invite more people to this party? I thought it was just the two of us. Uh, you know, I was... <laughs> you, you just you just broke the did illusion. Did you make this a m- menage a trois? One of those... Uh, in, 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 is that is that what we're calling it now? Is that is our French immersion? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> have we have we switched to uh, Cards Against Humanity right now? Yeah, this is the not safe for work edition of Cardboard yeah. in the Classroom. <laughs> okay, um, let's, uh, let's one more Norm. Uh, one more. So Joe, start us off with the with the last rounds of what you need to have in your collection. Dexterity games. Have some dexterity games. Mm-hmm. Uh, tumbling dice, fantastic. Junk art has so many different ways that you can play the game. I've seen kids that have literally wanted to develop their own variants to make a competitive way to play junk art. And they the the designers did put like blank cards where you can create your own scenarios. And I've had kids that that, that are creating their own um, and really like getting that sort of first step into maybe you know designing game systems. So. Uh, dexterity games in general, but those are two uh, that I would absolutely highlight. And I feel like there's a bunch. Just let me say the names here. Heron Tortoise was really successful. Cool. Uh, and, and I feel like I definitely have to say that one. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and I know the newest one that's coming out soon, One Night uh, Supervillain, is supposed to be even better for classrooms because it doesn't involve actually like lynching or you know hanging any of the people. It's more just like <laughs> you're finding the the supervillain. Uh, those are like those real quick games. Um, that involves social aspects to me, like just th- those are a whole just pack of what I would say, you know, that should hopefully get you on the right track for being able to, uh, you know, round out a library for a gamers club. Awesome. I like what you did. You just let's quickly smack out a, a list. So I'll do the same. Um, bang, bang, patch, bang. Patchwork. I found Patchwork Ooh. to be very successful in class. Um, uh, modern art. I had mentioned that we just took it out today. Um, that. Uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, it was it it was perfect time. Ra- ra- rapid fire, Norm. Oh, rapid fire! I'm so <laughs> sorry, I can't rapid fire. Um, um, uh, five tribes. For some reason, the kids love five yeah, tribes. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I taught them how That's to play fun. Moncala, and then said, "Okay, let's." This is Moncala on Red Bull, right? Ah, and, nice. Yeah, like and they it. totally dug it. Um, That's scaffolding right there. That's good teaching absolutely. for those of you out there taking notes. Start them um, easy. So I'm going to pass this to Ryan because I'll say one more and then I'll go into a, a review of it. So yeah. I know my own bad habits. Ryan, give us a uh, bang, bang, bang list. Well, speaking of bang, so literally the card, the card game bang oh, is, is always I a good one. Bang the dice game, dude. We I, have five, I'm gonna... Yeah, bang the dice game has been a massive hit this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the, the new recent success of uh, Five Minute Dungeon, the game that's literally played in five minutes. That sounds appealing. This is the yeah. right type it's, of it, game. It's a and it's a real time co op, so they have to all contribute and think together at the same time. It's been fantastic. They're buying. I've done Magic home. Maze with them, which is kind of sounds similar a yeah, little. I was going to mention Magic Maze. Mix um, and Minions, they love too. 
Yeah, the pieces drew in kids and got them over the hump of really complex rules. Right, that whole action programming, the the computer science kids all came in in droves. I had to actually start Mm -hmm. setting up times because kids wanted to play the campaign. I'm like, okay, today, these next few days, we're blocking off scenario one. Okay, everybody can come play scenario one. Okay, next week, okay, scenario two. Because we had so many kids that wanted to play it. That was, it was it was mm. fantastic. Um, Sushi cool. Go is a good little card game. Aha! That, Sushi Go Party, them. yes. Sushi and Go then, and Sushi Go Party. And then I introduced them to Seven Wonders after that, so then they really like Seven Wonders. Uh, between Two Cities? That's between yes! Two cities. That's where I would say, yes, that one was hilarious to see a kid literally tank his own game so that he <laughs> could take down the kid on his left. <laughs> they, and they both did it, though. They did it to each other. It was like they made... They made like Hoboken. It was yeah. a house next to a factory on every. It was just checkerboards of houses and factories. Just, yeah, it was just a smoking turd of, of a city, <laughs> and it was fantastically awful. I, I smiled, and they both, I think, enjoyed making the landfill of our game of between two cities. That would, that that's so awesome to hear. Rise of Augustus. That's another good one. Uh-huh. Bingo, you mean. You mean yes, yes. Uh, Ave Caesar. I mean bingo. Bingo. I mean Ave Caesar. <laughs> Don't, Don't use that. Kids, kids pick up this box. They look at it and they're like, what's this game about? I'm like, have you played bingo before? They're like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, let's play Rise of Augustus. Uh, Bonanza. Yeah. Bonanza, the kids love. That's another one. I didn't mean I didn't mean to get in there, but you know, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. B- Biblios. Wow, Biblios we- has always been a success, has been a successful one. Ooh, I love Biblios. I love that one with gamers. I haven't tried it with my kids at school yet. I actually like, they, they it's they funny because a lot of these quick. games, I have to choose, like for me, the choice after I know that I like a game, but it's lighter than what I probably play with my game group here, which tends to really weigh towards heavy. And I struggle to get anything without, you know, a, a 40 page rule book and walkthrough <laughs> and glossary, uh, you know, played with you know anything but those with my core game group. So my, my choice is usually binary. The fork in the road is, do I want this game to go uh, to my parents and, and play with them? Or do I want it to go to my high school game group and play with them? So, And I feel like sometimes it could be just a coin flip because my parents enjoy Biblios like crazy. And I could really see high schoolers liking it too. Yeah. And, and for sale. For sale has been a massive yes, too. Absolutely. Which well, you the- talked about on Cardboard in the Classroom. I, I, I listened to it. Yeah. The one That's guy. Right. Yeah. And, oh, and I, I, you might have been checking your downloads. I just wanted you to know I downloaded on two different devices on two accounts. So sorry, it's still just me. That's all right. I'll take it. Um, I, okay, I've, so- also had, I've had the luxury too because some of those, um, some of my senior um, uh, game school guys that now this is going to be their fourth year, I've actually managed to uh, play some heavier games with them. I remember last year um, I exposed them to uh, Tigris and Euphrates. Which absolutely Ooh. melted their minds, and they loved every single second of it. Um, I've I've played we food we managed, chain magnets next. We managed <laughs> to play a, a copy of uh, of Rising Sun. We met we did it over two sessions. Oh, yeah. Wow, which was which was which was great, and it, that drew in some kids who like they just looked at the components and they're like, "This thing looks awesome. We need to play this." I'm like, "Come to Games Club. We play things that are awesome and stuff." Mm-hmm. So, Joe, what, um, so. considering you use the word scaffolding, and that's perfect because once you get past the, the entry point games, what's what's that next step that you've noticed with your kids? Like Ryan pointed out Rising Sun, and, and I mean, 
there's some some of those. Well, I I, I had identified that they were that these these guys were capable of some little complex more complex yeah and analytics. So mm-hmm. I just I just tried it. I just dipped my toe in there. I just kind of said, hey, um, let's set this thing up and see what what you guys think about it. And they actually ended up liking it. Fantastic. I mean the the way that you're able to introduce those games to me, like I would love to be able to do that. But here's kind of, I guess, my predicament. And I wanted a way to, to say this, and I think this, you know, answering your question this way is going to be the best way to say it. I teach primarily freshmen in a in a high school that goes from ninth grade up to 12th grade. Freshmen for us, ninth grade. Um, and so freshmen have a, um, like, I, I don't know, there's like a marked sort of quality about freshmen that makes some of the older older students, when they're experiencing game club, like I've struggled to get older students to really, uh, take and continue to come back year after year. I still have like rooms full of 25, 30 kids, but they are primarily the freshmen that I'm teaching every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been, I, I really need help with my game club. Like I am not able to manage it all by myself because it is always 30 kids and there's six different activities going on at once. And I'm supposed to be responsible for setting up a video game system um, and, and, you know, like making sure that that is continued to be run in a fair way. Um, but for me, like the solution, and this is something I've recently um, come up with, I guess, is to have older, like upperclassmen um, as sort of my helpers, my assistants, because those yeah. those types of things that are like, you know, putting the game away, those elements um, and, and, and getting to the more complex games, like getting, you know, upperclassmen whose job it is to teach kids games that I've already taught them in the past, right, to get spread it on. And that way I don't have to teach this group and then go to this table and teach this group and then go to this table. All I have to do is start with, you know, kids that already have prior knowledge that can then share that with the rest of the class. And they're getting their silver cord hours for us. Like the silver cord um, being like sort of an, like if you want to graduate with honors, you need to have X amount of, of uh, volunteer service. And so these upperclassmen will be oh, sort nice. of like my, my, on my side, on my team, keeping the night managed, you know, keeping, keeping the event managed. And so I'm really excited about that. But honestly, Norm, I've not got a chance really to play many of the next step games because I'm consistently, uh, you know, once I introduce something, I'm so quickly moving on to something else or, or teaching the same game that we've already taught prior to a different group. And then trying to just keep all these different games uh, or like plates that are spinning at a time. And I'm finding myself very much stressed um, having a difficult right. time managing all the individuals that are there, but I've got like, like I said, just coming up with a solution recently, and I think that this, that this, you know, the new sort of approach will hopefully help solve those problems. So if you have issues when you're starting a high school game group, know that you're not alone. Um, I'm not doing anything even remotely efficiently, um, and that's probably the reason that I'm ever stressed at all. But there's definitely resources in front of you, and if it's not going to be the adults, which I found to uh, not, not to, you know, trust that adults, you know, adults have responsibilities and they're definitely going to view it as another work commitment. Um, but your kids that are needing to do like their service hours, um, that's really the next, I'm, I'm hoping to be sort of a gold mine that I, that I'm just now getting into myself. All right, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off that too, because I've been relying on my seniors, um, this year to like, especially over that first, that first games club, which was, uh, last week, um, that they are, the, the, the expectation of them this year is going to be that they're going to be teaching um, more and more games. Like I'll, I'll probably be stay, taking a step back the way we got around it last year is that if they wanted to learn a new game, well, we need to spend, we, we, we just took a lunchtime and I would set up a game 
and I would say, okay, Wednesday at lunch or Tuesday at lunch. Okay. That's going to be, I will teach you a rule set. We're not, we're not going to play the game at all. We're just going to teach a rule set and everything. Mm-hmm. Or, or hey, if, if you're interested in playing a game that's on my shelf, like I have, um, I just re- recently acquired a uh, Taj Mahal, uh, by Ryan Kinesia, and there's a bunch of kids that are really interested in Taj Mahal, but I haven't actually learned how to play it yet. And I'm like, you guys want to learn how to play it? I've already shown you, I've shown you where Board Game Geek is. I've shown you a whole bunch of YouTube. Um, I, learn I it anything. yourselves. Go, go learn it yourselves. Mm-hmm. Take the training come back, wheels off. Yeah. Come, come back and, and 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 teach a group of students, and more importantly, maybe teach me how to <laughs> how, how how to play the game and everything. So I, I've st- I've started passing that off onto my onto my seniors because they know about board game geek they know about watch it play they know about all these other all these other um a, a media outlets that are that are out there and they they much rather do that than say do their calculus homework at night so <laughs> <laughs> okay um let's uh i'm gonna uh, we're gonna kind of transition into the end here but i want to pose a question uh, of reflection to each one of you and um it's about the idea of here, okay, here's the question. Ryan and Joe, your commitment to this extracurricular activity to the students, what have what have what surprised you the most that you've gotten out of this that you didn't expect to get out of this? Joe. Of course. You come right <laughs> to your mind. I mean, is it, ask the question, give me five seconds Wait, to think okay, about it. Uh, well, here, I'll, I'll talk. I'll, um, so you guys can reflect. I'll jump in right away. Um what what this has allowed me um, is the privilege of being able to um, understand the students from a different perspective rather than from the teacher, now from an advisor or facilitator. And like what was mentioned before um, about this, this stuff is interesting because people are interesting and I'm able to now, uh, and vice versa, the students now see me not as that person in front who is delivering content, but as this person who is still the adult in the, you know, the, I'm going to, you know, fib here, the mature person in the room, but um, <laughs> as see me from a diff with a different set of lenses on. And I, I totally appreciate that because um, to me, the most important thing about teaching is nothing to do about the content, nothing to do about teaching, teaching methodology. Curriculum what? Oh, yeah. It's all about <laughs> relationships. To me, that's the most important thing in teaching is, is to establish that relationship. And this is the best mechanism to um, have that, that avenue open. And that's, that's what I um, kind of was surprised with, but pleasantly surprised with. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that. Uh, I wasn't surprised. This is nothing like I surprised. I'm gonna go off the rail on it because I, I knew that I was gonna be developing relationships with some, some some students that you know what they they don't they don't get recognition, it uh, another avenues in inside inside of our school. They they they're not part they're not part of like I think Joe mentioned this. They're not part of anything else, um, mm-hmm. and and we we I kind of created this outlet that they that they felt like they're part of a community now, and back in the background of my mind i kind of like that's kind of like what i wanted i wanted some place where these some of these students can come and they can feel like they're part of a family everybody here has a common interest and now they've made new friends they they, they didn't know how to go out about making new friends but now i kind of created an avenue 
where they all have something in common. They all share something in common. And that was really, really powerful because now these kids actually like now they hang out outside of classes. Um, they come and they talk to me like the, the, like the one student I was talking to who comes and visits me every single day. He makes sure that when he gets to, to school at about 8.15 in the morning, he always comes by and he has to say, hi, Mr. Rao. Um, did you get a new game over the weekend? Type, type, type deal. And that's the always, yes. The answer is more oftentimes yes. But uh, just, just those, yeah, you built. Those relationships have been so key and it's been really, really enjoyable watching them grow as, as, as people, as human beings. Um, it, it, it wasn't a surprise. I knew it was going to happen. Um, I just, I just really enjoy um, watching the interactions with, with these with these certain students and how they interact now with each other, how they interact with me, how actually they interact with anybody now inside the school is so, so cool and rewarding. I'll end it off with that. Yeah, and that's really a fantastic transition into what I was going to say, which um, to me, the, the most pleasant surprise, um, and it's fresh in my mind, I just heard it two weeks ago um, from a student who told me, my mom was saying that I'm not going to be involved in anything. And now look at me. I've got Gamers Club twice a week because he goes to the Adventurers League and he goes to the board game night. And I thought, you know what? That's really something to be proud to be part of something. Mm-hmm. And that sort of engagement, that sort of connecting to the school in a way that's not just, hey, this is something I have to do. Um, you know, it's a place where I go to get a service and that's it. Like it just makes it much more. Um, and they become somebody who's committed towards keeping the things about their life they have to do managed so that they can have something they want to do. Because a lot of these kids are coming in and they don't have them and maybe they won't stick for the entire for the entirety of their life. They're not going to be infected with the hobby like like somebody like us, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the hopeless, the, the hapless um, <laughs> folks like us. But I do think that like the the positive impact is tangible. And I think that statement, you know, that feeling like I belong and this is a kid who otherwise wouldn't have a place, you know, as as he himself identified. Um, and I think the fact that that he's seeing it as that means that we're looking at at the dynamic switching to where, you know, it's no longer you play games that makes you a nerd. It's like which games do you play? Oh, you play games. Well, I really like reading books. Oh, I've got a career uh, where all I do is write literary criticism. That's okay. But you, if you want to do anything that's related to board games, even though that's just as much literature as anything else, you have to do it and be like, not a real critic. Like you're just a, you know, you're a hobbyist. It's like, no, this is all legitimate forms of entertainment, legitimate avenues of, of, of uh, pursuit. And to me, like that's, that's the the big takeaway. That's the, you know, that's the pie in the sky. That's what what keeps you doing the things that you don't want to have to do. Like you know, mm-hmm. pretty I, much I wanna, all of the management. I want to point out, um, and this I saw on Twitter from you, Joe, um, that you have a student in your gamers club now who is visually impaired, and mm-hmm. you put out a uh, a message on Twitter, um, it, you know, talking about the resources and everything else about getting him his own set of braille dice mm-hmm. and um sometimes That's you awesome. just don't see that commitment from teachers like going i mean this is i was so proud of you because it was one of those moments of just stepping up stepping up for the kid and saying you know people in you know twitterverse i have a situation i could use some help and and oh, i immediately yeah. went to the link that you sent out and 
and um i'm i'm like thinking you know what i'm i'm buying this kid a set of dice because you <laughs> need the set of dice man it's like who doesn't want to you know kick in a door and start you know hacking and slashing precisely yeah i i know that i've got awesome people that listen and and that that uh are, are on that forum i know both you guys um and you know the, the quality of of people that i had to ask led me to just think this is a problem that i've got a bunch of people uh that would be more than happy to participate in this and i was uh, warmly met uh w- warmly responded with with funding of that the set of braille dice within you know within the time that i posted it and the time that i checked it i already had all the people that were donating and that that set of dice is in production right now oh, um, it'll be coming in in a couple it, it takes a while for these things apparently because uh you know the shipping is i think it's going to be in like a week or week and a half or something but yeah that was really inspiring um you know there's challenges that you'll meet as a result of the individuals uh you know mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have kids that are that are you know like have some sort of a an impairment and just you know there's a place for everybody you know that everybody is welcome you know the one rule that i would that i would have uh put put up um you know i, I just want to make this this hobby accessible and legitimate as a form of of um you know pursuit of of leisure activity so um thanks for noticing that norm and you know it's a really inspiring individual very good uh let's put it like this if you knew that kid you would be more just just so overjoyed that people were were willing to support him to make you know his dreams come true so that's so amazing that's a, and this is a fantastic way to just wrap up this this engage I, I had so much fun talking about all of this um and uh yeah that that last this that last bit to me was uh, inspiring because um i think teachers who teach it's not because that's their job it's because that's who they are that's what they do mm-hmm. and um th- that behavior that choice that action that you made just personifies that idea of we're not teachers it, it's not our this is what we have to do because this is who we are <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get onto rants i'm gonna make your hour-long <laughs> podcast an hour and a half <laughs> That's that's just me, and then I'm also going time. to volunteer explanations of board games to you, just like you volunteer uh, watching watch it played over lunch break it, at two <laughs> x speed, nonetheless. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's entertaining. Chip, I mean, Chip, Chipmunk Rodney is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I want to say a huge thank you to Joe. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, this was. Um, Thanks just for having for- me on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Just for people out there to know those, well, now I think it's two people because the one person's here. <laughs> um, that the person, uh, this guest that we have on is uh, is the motivation that I and Ryan had to finally believe in ourselves, to think that we have Gave us the something kick in the pants. valid. Yeah, the, the fire. He lit the fire. Um, but yeah, to, to convince us that what we have to contribute is valid. And um, thank you. I mean... And it'll be more valid when you have better guests on too. <laughs> but you guys, the, the content that you're coming out with, cardboard in the classroom, to me, the the level of of quality and professionalism uh, and engaging, you know, just how engaging it is, um, to me, you guys really do have something special. And, and and I'm happy that you've invited me on to be a part. Thank you oh, so cool. much for Thank this. You. Absolutely. 
Well, that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And take care. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.